Welcome back to the Why Hockey Podcast. It's been a while, but I have the true March Madness for you. When Thomas Krulikowski texts me and saying, it's podcast o'clock, you don't know how happy that makes me. And despite my uh, my last name, I, I am Irish, so I, I would say something like that. Are you? Yes. I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that at all. I don't, I mean, I, I identify more as the Krulikowski part, but... Yeah, I mean, well, it's not like my last name doesn't give away any hints. Damn. Slightly. Well, at least, at least you are good at soccer. Ah, no, I'm not. Maybe I'm good at calling soccer, but not playing it. Let's be honest, though. I wouldn't be using the FIFA rules to get eligibility to play for Germany. I'll say that much. Does the IHF have the same eligibility rules? I guess they do, because you could have a bunch of Canadians playing for South Korea at the Olympics last year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, um, I don't think it's as lax, because it's usually, it's not applied to the top nations as well, where like in hockey, it's, it's usually just for those developing nations, like the nations are trying to, um, you know, get national programs started and stuff. Like Switzerland for a while had a lot of like Canadians and stuff and building up the program in like the 80s and stuff and uh, all the way through. So you see that with like South Korea and stuff now and in the women's programs, uh, you see that as well. Um, we had the biggest dual national controversy in the history of professional hockey when Paige Dixon's kids, who could play for both Canada and the United States, have to make a decision. Hi, Paige. Hope they play for the U.S. Oh, no, they're playing for Canada. I fear that. I they're going to be good that. enough to play for Canada. That's I, the I fear that. That's the problem. Did you know there was a funny little story that Paige was telling that, that one, her oldest kid was playing with um, a, a, some, some little hockey tournament, and he actually got into a fight, in air quotes, with Jeff Merrick's oldest son. And I, I texted them both, and I'm like, of course this happened. This is the funniest thing ever. Well, you know. All it's... halves of the Y Hockey podcast coming together and crossing over. Sometimes you play your best games after fights and practice with the teammates. So, you know, it, <laughs> well, it's, it happens. Um, there's probably, you know, a good 12 minutes explaining it in Mystery Alaska. Uh, uh, yes. If you want to go I'm watch the film. I'm still but... out the hope one day that you and I are going to do a live recording of watching one of those bad hockey movies. Mystery Alaska was my first choice. And then maybe uh, Goon's a decent movie. We've got other would... choices of bad movies. It would definitely be Mystery Alaska over The Mir- Miracle, because I think everyone does Miracle, everyone. That's uh... Oh, I was thinking of other... There's a, there was a, a, a zombie... Not a big Miracle a guy. Movie. I forget what it was called. Was, um, it, was it produced by Rob Zombie? It was not produced by Rob Zombie. It would have been I think it's called Apocalypse, if you actually look it up. But I don't remember the, the actual name of that movie. I read, a, I read a, a thing. Barry Melrose made a cameo in that movie. I think it's called Apocalypse, if you look it up. I'm not making there this is, up. This is a real movie that exists. There, there is a Rob Zombie Broad Street Bullies documentary this or movie true. or something out there. That, that was that, but that's been around for a while. So, do you know NHL Network is now showing all the old hockey movies? So now they're apparently showing Young Blood with Rob Lowe in a couple of weeks. That's good. I'm gonna have to DVR that one, that's or PVR it for our Canadian listeners. Yeah, that's that's a lot of hockey. What's movies. the What's the P stand for in PVR? Personal. Personal. Costume? Yeah. Personal video recording. Maybe, maybe we should ask the people who work for Rogers to tell us that. I I feel like for for all the nations that are closer to the Queen's English, they always have a lot more weirder 
slang and an alternative naming for Have things. Have you heard British slang before? Uh, that's what I mean. Like the the closer you get to Queen's English, and and like the the worse it sounds. Oh, unless you're going in certain places in this country. <laughs> There was a player for Temple. Nothing. I know it's not a much Madness I, I, podcast, but there's a player for Temple that was named nicknamed Shiz Alston. Come on. I, Is that not I, the filliest thing you've ever heard? I think that Americana uh, vernacular is, is some of the most creative and uh, and best. It's outside the box, and that's what I like about it. Oh, yeah. Only, only in Philly would you have people saying J-A-W-N and using it in casual speech for everything. Okay. Yep. Let's... let's skip on to that and focus on some hockey things this is gonna basically Voila. yes best best ever better than sheets obviously we're going to focus on the panthers here of course and we're going to talk about all sorts of panthers related things for the season this is going to kind of be the de facto season wrap-up because the rest of the season doesn't matter aside from whether sam montenbo plays well lots to get to i actually want to start with sam montenbo sir and I was surprised that he got all the starts that he did, to be honest with you. I was happy that they decided to play him because I was worried they weren't. And since he's played, I have Sean Tierney's wonderful tableaus up of the shot charts with expected goals. And, I mean, we, we've been talking about Montembeau a little bit between ourselves and how he's been playing. And with young goalies, it's different now because you could be a guy like Carter Hart and come in and play really well, or you could be a guy like Jordan Biddington and catch fire. And we don't know necessarily the consistency of said goalie, but Sam Montembeau has played pretty decently in his first seven games. And the losses, the three of them, are not on him by any means. And you watch him play, and I, I, I haven't seen him play enough. I've not watched a lot of Springfield Thunderbirds. You can't watch the Junior Panthers play after watching the Senior Panthers do the same thing. So for me, I mean, he was more impressive than I thought he would be. He's got some issues in his game. But he's a young goalie, and, and he's played better than I thought. And I wrote about this on the Rap Trek, and we'll get into this, that if Montembeau continues to play this well, there are, he's going to get more starts down the rest of the season. But if he continues to play like this, it changes the calculus of what the Panthers are going to do with the goaltending position this offseason, and that probably would be for the better. And as relieved I am to finally see Montembeau get games, uh, I'm a little disappointed and discouraged by how it's happening. Um, you know, like... He's not playing tonight against Arizona. Uh, I think that's a good game to give him. Arizona's in a playoff push, uh, but they're not necessarily a strong team. They don't have an offense that's really just going to overpower a rookie goalie. Uh, but they're playing hard. They're playing uh, They're playing for something at this point in the season, and that's good for Montembeau to see. Uh, but instead, they kind of ran a little dry putting them uh, in that back-to-back -back when you know that's the game to give Lou to allow yourself to set up Montembeau to go down a stretch and, and to take these games. And it's that type of coaching mistake that's still going to happen next year if they keep Bugner or or hire a coach like Bugner after firing him, if that's what they do. It, it's annoying that on top of that, we're never going to see enough of Montembeau, whether he plays the remaining games or not. You're not going to get a big enough sample to really do anything other than, all right, Montembeau is a good NHL backup next year, maybe something else more than that, but we need to see him more before we know for sure. You could have given him 25 more games this year. The opportunities were there. People were standing up and pointing it out that these this was an opportunity to bring in Sam Montembeau. Everyone 
kind of felt most people I want to say felt like the Panthers and didn't think it was necessary to, to bring them up to give them more games. But now when you've already made a trade, clearing out two centers that could be third line centers on a lot of team teams in this league um, for cap space to go all in on a, a big free agent goalie like Bobrovsky and then now you're readjusting the calculus because you're giving games to a goalie who should have been playing for a while now, um, and, and he's showing promise. He's showing he can do something, but you know whether he plays 10 games, 15 games, it, it's not going to be enough to, and especially in the environment he's playing in, it's not going to be enough to know if he's consistent, if he's going to be able to mature at a quick enough pace to um, really save yourself from going in on Bobrovsky or, or doing something else. And, you know, it, it's probably going to end up with a story where Montembeau kind of develops like Matheson into a, a mid-late 20s guy who's still banking on this unclaimed potential because the team that drafted him didn't know how to usher him into full-time NHL role. Now, I will give the Panthers this. I don't think it's a guarantee that they do what we thought they were going to do with Borowski. And the reason is, is because he's played so well and there were enough Monty chants at home games that I think they have to rethink it. And but as but I said, what are they doing? What's the response instead? Is it just, okay, well, then next year you're going in with Luongo and Montembeau because that, then that's that still not... Bad. That would be bad. So, now, now what, or, what, I or, suggest, what I suggested that they do... And I think that it's still possible that they do this because they'll have the cap space and ability to make these decisions is if you're not going to go out and get Bobrovsky because you think Montembeau is going to play 30 games. And if you think he can play 30 games at some point in those 30 games, perhaps he plays well enough that he takes over the net for good. Perhaps you can't bank on that. But if you're giving him 30 games or 25 games, which is about as much as you want your backup to play, unless you're the Golden Knights, you want to have a goalie in front of him that is not entrenched in that position, right? And if you've got Bobrovsky, you can't have a $10 million a year goalie backup. You can't have that. And you've been talking a lot about um, the possibility that it could exist, that there might be compliance buyouts and there's an expansion draft, but you can't bank on that. You can't assume that it's automatically going to be there. So you should plan better ahead of time. And also, because you're going to protect Montembeau in an expansion draft, I would presume, if you sign somebody like Varlamov, which is something I think the Panthers should be very interested in doing if they're not going to go after Bobrovsky because Verlamov's not going to resign with the Abs. Well, first of all, they'd have to get rid of that no schmucks policy. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Verlamov's what? He's making 5.9 this year. He's not going to ask for much more of a raise, if at all. I would assume. I mean, he would want a long-term deal, but even if you gave him like, but there's the, the first before before. Uh, yeah, and and I agree. Like, there's a Varlamov, or there's you know maybe hey Jacob Markstrom. Um, See, wouldn't that be ironic? Like you know, I, and I wouldn't be against it. Like in in a two three year deal, you know. But then it's there's two hurdles you got to get through before you can get to there, and that's. Hurdle one is James Reimer. Hurdle two is Roberto Luongo. And one hurdle you can clear. The other hurdle, it seems that they're unwilling to clear. And and how they respond to that? Do they do they run three goalies? Do they just kind of IR like you know, Robotaz Island Luongo type of thing? Why don't they just make him like? Do they just make him a coach like they do with all these other guys? Like what do they do with him? 
you know, because it seems like they're going to let Luongo drive the bus. And if he wants to play, they're just going to let him play. Or, you know, that's at least what Florida wants you to believe they believe. Okay. So Here, here's what's going to happen with, with Reimer. We presume they're going to buy him out after his, well, they pay his bonus. That's what I presumed until the, you know, the George Richards article. I forget, I forget exactly which one, but I could probably find it if someone really wants me to. I mean, um, I, that said that the, that they do not him. plan on buying out Reimer, and that they would like, if that's the case, he'll probably be here next year. See, the thing is, you gotta, you have to trade him. He can't be here next season. Well, I mean, that's. I mean, that's where all this doubt and worry from my end is. I mean, they have a good core, but, you know, they're a middle-of-the-pack team now. They should have a good core. Uh, you know, every other team besides the handful of teams at the dregs of the NHL have a good core. Uh, but they need to build something off of it quickly. And how how are they going to do that if they, can't, if they can't get themselves out of – out of some contracts number one now, well look. and the, yeah and then the coaching two co- coaching contracts well you know it's not re-upping jack jack Capuano. let's just call him crappy because i'll say that more than his actual name correctly um you know i think he's i think his contract ends so it's just not making the mistake of signing him again which i think I, I i'm confident they'll at least do that but then it's will they have the cojones to do the right thing and get rid of Bugner and just eat that contract. Well, or let's start. Have the hard conversation with him and just be like, "Do you want to take over an assistant coaching spot or something?" Like, you know, like I, I'm, I just want like I don't know how they do it or what they're going to do, but they need a new head coach. He cannot be a head coach of an NHL team that's expected to make the playoffs and even expected to win a round, which the Panthers need to be next year. Absolutely. And that means maybe, and like, if it means, if honestly, if you ask me, if it means screwing over Samuel Montembeau, a player I liked, I wanted them to draft, I wanted him to be the goalie of the future. I still believe in him. I still believe that could be the outcome, but where I think Florida is and where I am is if you think you have a better goalie for the next three years than Samuel Montembeau, I don't care how long or how big of the contract is. You can figure that out later. And to me, it is okay to have a $10 million backup if Samuel Montembeau outplays him in two years. Uh, Because I I would just, well, because you have to be like the big teams, the teams that win Stanley Cups take big risks. Like that's the point that they're at because not taking risk is only making them a worse team year after year. This was a worst year. This was a worse year than last year. They need to, and they, and they had, they had their captain play lights out. They had their second best player, Hugo, play lights out. They had their best they had Yandel, the seven million dollar big UFA acquisition in his thirties, play lights out. They had Ekblad play um going through the numbers on the year, I mean I think that there's still a lot of mistakes in his game, but I think that's encouraged by the coaching staff, honestly, at this point. Yeah, I think that, um, well, and, I'm gonna get to some coaching staff and defense things in a second, but let's focus on let's focus on goalies right now. Uh, Reimer, you should be able to move two years, three point four million. Even if you have and, to give up something to and, get the contract off your books, you or, should be able to move you, that. Or you buy him out, like you don't let him get to training camp. 
th- th- he can't be on the team next year. Now, he's had a better season than Roberto Luongo, but that's not saying much because Luongo's been really, right. really and, bad. And it's this different year. circumstances. And at the end of the day, there's more value in keeping Luongo because, you know, the fact that if you're putting your eggs in the Samuel Montembeau basket, uh, and like, or, or say it's, I'm putting my eggs in the, let's use Montembeau for next year and draft a guy like Spencer Knight or some of these other goalies in the draft and go out and sign an undrafted free agent from Europe goalie or something like that. Who's 22 or something to, to fill Montembeau's AHL spot. Like let's go in on younger goalies. I'm, I'm fine with that, but mm-hmm. you, but- you need Luongo there to mentor him possibly much more so than Reimer. Like you don't want Reimer to be there because what's Reimer going to show him how to mishandle pucks, how to, you know, be way out of the puck better than I thought he would. He plays the puck better. And and like, that's why you you don't want a guy like Reimer there. Reimer has no mental fortitude. and, And I hate saying that about a player, but I mean, like the biggest thing with him is like, he just doesn't have the mental attitude of a goalie. I want, in on my team like the way he handles himself in a press conference the way he like the way he handles giving up bad goals in a game like all this stuff like it's not my cup of tea and it's not who i want to be the guy that montembeau because when you're a goalie it's you spend a lot more time with the other goalie than with the whole team especially in a practice and 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 what you're doing in um the video rooms and stuff like that so you know, I, I'd rather him with Luongo, but if Luongo's there, he's going to be what playing twenty games, thirty games at most. So you got to have him at all. Now let's so talk about some that's things. That's a whole other issue about Reimer. First of all, we you hope that you can trade him. I think there are going to be enough teams like Ottawa who would need to get just money on the books and a goalie, yeah. and Reimer might be able to do that. Now, listen, you might have to give up a draft pick or a lower-down prospect to get the contract off your books, but that's what you got to do in order to free up the space that you need for goalies. Right. Now, Luongo, he's going to be 40. His actual salary next year is $1.375 million. Now, if there's some sort of injury, in air quotes, again, the Panthers have found a way to, like, quote-unquote, Roby to Island a couple of players. They did that with Willie Mitchell. They did it with Derek McKenzie. They kind of did it with Jamie McGinn. You know, like, if they wanted to and Luongo can't play anymore, the contract could be moved while Luongo could right. still be around the Panthers organization. He just couldn't officially retire. Right. Or, in a way, you could LTIR that contract if there's a long-term enough injury where you just bury that and you essentially give yourself an extra little bit of cap space that you could use while yeah. the actual salary that you're paying is pittance. Even for the Panthers, it's a pittance. So I don't think the Luongo thing is as difficult to get rid of, but it is something it, where I worry that I don't think he can play next year. Because I don't think it's so. He has not been good this year, and I don't, I don't think, think it's Luongo. But there's just no way that you can have him as a goalie next year playing any number of games because you're relying on something that probably can't happen again. His stretch at the end of last season was wonderful, but that's probably what he's the last little hurrah if you watch him play this year he's been one of the worst goalies this year in the league if you look at some of those expected goals numbers and you just can't expect that to be much better next season 
And it, it might be uh, in a small amount of games if, if it keeps him healthier. But again, if you look at his career numbers, he's always done better when he's faced more shots, more minutes, and taking the lion's share of the role. So, like, can he at 40 learn a new trick, so to speak, uh, or new role in being that third goalie and, like, handle a game every couple weeks or, you know, just only playing back, like, the second half of back-to-back games? Like, if that's all he did playing you know eight to ten to twelve back-to-back games in the whole season could he do that at a level that would allow him to not cripple the like not give up too many points could he actually live with that and be a productive member of the team with the panthers and luongo is they're in a position where they're kind of having to listen to what he ever he wants to do if he wants to play they kind of have to honor that they can't kind of force him into retirement. I, I don't i think they can i mean like you know well i don't think it's forcing him into retirement i mean i think for the panthers the best thing they can do is if you look at when he retires the the cap recapture penalty that comes to vancouver and florida is really going to hit vancouver um, it's like one point something million if he retires this offseason for Florida, but it's like nine hundred something thousand for you know a, a couple two years less if he retires next off season. So that's why I'm saying the, you could LTIR and have yeah, not actually and, retire, but, but retire. That's that's not the difficult part. The difficult part is more so okay. Well, then who's that third goalie? And how do you run a roster with three goalies? Because that takes a defenseman or a forward off the you map. You can't run a roster with three goalies the entire time. So, th- so then yeah. you have Mottenbell going up and down because he would be the only one that can slide up and down. So how do you do that is what I'm saying. Like You don't. The, the options are you get rid of both or you hamstring yourself by not getting rid of one. And that's what the Panthers have to do. They have to, honestly, if they want to be where they need to be next season. And this is no slide on James Reimer, Roberto Luongo, the people. Both of them cannot be playing next year for the Panthers. There is no, you can't have one and not the other. They both have to go. It's the most ideal scenario for the Panthers from a hockey perspective. Because Reimer, I understood why they gave out that contract when the people who gave out that contract did. It hasn't worked. And sometimes you have to admit your mistakes and move on. And the Panthers need to do that with Reimer because he's not a starter. He might be a backup, but you have to move that. There will be teams in the league this year that will be able to take on that contract and can use it. Maybe New Jersey or something like that. You have to be able to find an opportunity available to do that for the betterment of your team. And you have to do the same with Luongo, whether it's LTIRing the contract, whether it's trading it as an asset to somebody so they can make the cap floor and giving up assets to do that, which is something that they could do. They have to if they have to, but that's the thing I think for the Panthers is it's like, how can you be able to solve this situation with goalies? Cause you didn't do it this year and it's cost you because your goaltending yeah. is uh, really, really bad. And I thought they were going to get away with it more, but Luongo's play has really sharply dropped and Reimer hasn't and, always been good. So, you know, and that's, that's talent's, that's talent's mistake. That's, that's ownership's mistake too. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people's mistake, but you know, that's, probably the fourth or fifth thing that I think is a mistake that would cost someone their job that hasn't cost talent his job over the what 10 years he's he's had a blueprint and there, there, there's a lot place. of things that's happening with Dale Talon that we could get I mean, but I guess I guess he, I would say it has cost him his job he's well, just got it cost him his job and then he got it back because the Panthers couldn't hire anybody else to do his job because they bungled it so badly the first time so but, uh you know let's, like so, let, let's say if, for goalies if we 
hold on. Let's say let's say Montembeau is good enough this year to prove that he could be an he's NHL not. backup next year. Well, I mean, he's an NHL backup. Yeah, I think he's already proven it. I think like he's. Here's the thing. What he what he will gain over the last let's say six games he plays. Let's just pretend it's six, six or seven. Yeah, you know, it's not gonna be left, much. So that's fine. It's not, it, yeah, of like games. The only like. You and I, fans, will not be able to know the difference. We can't make any judgments over the difference. The only value is is on Montembeau feeling more comfortable in the in the paint, and the team feeling more comfortable with Montembeau on the ice. That that's really it. Um, but Florida kind of knows what they like, what kind of goalie he is at this stage, what he really needs to work on in the off season, and where he needs to be uh, to to be more than what he's already shown. I think he's already shown he can play 30 games in the NHL next year. As far as I'm concerned, he showed it, um, you know, just with his lateral movement, with his ability he's to come up to make really well, he had and, really great movement for somebody that, I mean, let's be honest. Most Panthers goalies. I mean, Luongo plays butterfly and he's older and Reimer certainly doesn't do that, but he moves post to post really well. I think that's what he had that and his puck movement have been the most impressive things to me. He's not. I don't think he's going to be a star of a, of a goalie. Um, I have been told that he's from so... somebody who would know. By the way, that would be Brock McGillis, who is not only one of my favorite people I've ever met in the sport of hockey and a great LGBTQ plus advocate, but also a former professional goalie. And so when he tells you something about a goalie, he listens. Now he doesn't think he's going to be a star, but whether that means he can be a serviceable NHL goalie is up for debate. And for next year, he needs to be a serviceable NHL backup. And I think he can be based on the evidence that we have seen. And he definitely has the skills. He doesn't have great rebound control at this point. I think that's an issue. It's better than Reimer's, though. Well, and that's, that's set, and that's rebound control is a major problem. But his and rebound I think control that... is, still needs to be worked on. I still think there's going to be times when he needs to be able to help, you know, marshal the defense in front of him a little bit better. But I think mostly he's been more than I thought he was going to be. And there are other things like but the movement from post. You to have post to, you have to be able to decide. And, you know, like right now it, it's great. They know he's going to be NHL backup, but what they really needed to do this year. And what I said that they needed to do in, in the training camp was decide if he was going to be a starter by the end of this year. And they didn't do that. They, they completely wasted their opportunity to do that. I said, they needed to decide whether, uh, they needed to give Borgstrom a full season as a third-line center this year so he's ready to be the, one of the best third-line centers in the league next year. Did they do that? No. He's barely played a handful of games in, in a good spot in the lineup in the NHL this we'll season. Get to Borgstrom in a what, second. And, I want to finish up the goalie thoughts just for a second. So if Montembeau is an NHL-quality backup, which we have both suggested that he is, and I tend to think the Panthers are starting to think now that he is, you don't need to sign Bobrovsky. Because, I'd, as I said... Why not? I think you have to definitely investigate it, and I think you well, have you can, to... They'll investigate it, but I think I I, I would... The Who's the I'm, starter? You have to have it... Berlarmoff would be. And the reason why I'm well, saying... Well, what if you don't get Berlarmoff? What if it's July 1st and you don't get Berlarmoff, and then you've already not done... And, like, then what? Then you... Like, like I, I think Florida can't go into July 1st not knowing... We're waiting for free agency July 1st to know who their starting goalie is. They, it's I think they need the to get it. Either Bobrovsky or Verlamov if they really wanted to be safe. Yeah, I, I think you have to. I think there is – there's two things Florida has to get done going into – before July 1st, and that is have their starting goalie for next year on the wall, written 
written on the wall and their head coach for next year written on the wall. And if it's not an improvement over Sam Montenbeau right now and Bob Bugner right now, it's going to be a long year again for this club because they it's every year that they go backwards. They now have to take more steps in the off season to just tread water and stay and, and go where they're supposed to be. So which because like, okay next year, like you started, I... hold on real quick. You started the podcast saying like, you know, the, the expectations for next year are, are not going to be lowered. They're still, they need to win a series. They need to keep Barkov interested in this franchise because we're already halfway through that steal of a contract and we have nothing to show for it. Nothing. This was an absolute failure of a season, embarrassingly so. And it cannot be lost that, you know, the spring has trickled away and they're still almost double digit points away from a playoff spot. And they have a top five power play unit. They have so many guys breaking records, all this and, and no headway. So they really have to get it sorted this offseason and get it sorted before free agency because if they're relying on 30-year-old guys on big contracts with big money to get the job done, they're screwed. They, they, they've, already, they've already lost the plot at that point. So here's where I'm going to ask one final question about goalies and we'll move on to other players. If next year your battery is Varlamov in a hypothetical and Montembeau, Let's say Varlamov is making a tiny bit more than he's making now, and Montembeau, the contract's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, it's gonna be like one. It might not even be. It might not even make a million. Let's say it's nine hundred twenty-five thousand. You'd still be paying less to your goalies in two thousand nineteen twenty than you were in eighteen nineteen, and you have a better battery. Depends on how many days you can get Longo on insurance. Depends on what the deal with Reimer is. But yeah, you're you're most likely saving money, but you're still overspending well, uh, which course, will be but i mean let's be but honest. it's I, yeah that that I think to the me is, is the bottom line of what their goaltending situation like varlamov montembeau is like base level like that is that would be good that's enough plan to get c to where to they be. need to be now, that's here's... well if they do the other stuff yes you know like that's not going to be enough to counteract bob bugner being being his dumb ass for another year that's not going to counteract the fact that like josh brown might actually be in the top six next year like oh like if that happens do like, you want to focus on defense or forwards what um let's focus on forwards because that'll be a lot quicker because yes. like you know so, they they're gonna they're if First, let's, first, let's say this: if they if they have to run three goalies because they refuse to make up an injury for Luongo or whatever it is, so at some times, like for like a week or two in between Luongo injuries, they're going to have three goalies. They're going to limit themselves a forward spot because it's it's probably not going to be a D spot. They're going to limit themselves a forward spot if they do re-sign Brower, Sheehan, you know. I mean, Lord willing, they do not. McGinn, McGinn's look, Jamie McGinn's looked better than any grinder this team's had this whole season. So you're wondering, like, oh crap, they might sign McGinn too. You know, like Thankfully if they sign all that, then, then they have. That's the only issue with the Fords is will their will their never ending need 
to constantly bring back the same shitty bottom six forwards and old guys and slow guys who they keep saying they don't want and they need to get away from and that will help them win games. They keep bringing those guys and those types of guys back. Will the forwards that they've drafted that, whether you agree with them or not, are at the top of most uh, media scouts' lists as... You know, they have three in the top 20 best prospects, Mm -hmm. Uh, all wingers. If they can't transition those wingers, just like they haven't been able to transition Borgstrom, people laughed at me when I said that, you know, they're like, oh, no, not Borgstrom. He like maybe, yeah, Dennis Malgin, that makes sense. Or Jared McCann, it makes sense why he gets the yo-yo and yanked up and down, but not Henrik Borgstrom. Yeah, it's gonna. It's already happened to Tippett. It's gonna happen to him again next year. Didn't I at say at the start of the season that Borgstrom not being on the main roster was a travesty? And then it had to get so bad to the point where they couldn't do anything else other than call him up. And he's played pretty well this season, in he's spite been, of the fact that he's had no minutes with good players. And he's been fantastic defensively. I he's think been he's much been, better defensively than I could have ever imagined him being. And and you know it's it's. It's a bummer. It, it it really is because, you know, you, you look at what this forward group could be. You could have the nastiest top nine in the league next year um, and still have a pretty versatile – I mean, like, Colin Seaver is still here for two more years. Like, why do we need to bring in Riley Sheehan? Like, just because he wins faceoffs, like, you can't go and get a – like $750,000 a year. Like, I mean, maybe Riley Sheehan's going to be the $750,000, but, I mean, he makes way too much money right now to to be the guy. I mean, I, I said that if you were going to bring him back as an extra forward and he was making a million or less, you'd but they, get away with it. But you still right. shouldn't do it. But, and, uh, yeah, like, you have 14 forward spots on an NHL roster. Let's say they have 13 because they, they might need to leave one spot for Luongo to go on and off IR to make it look legit and to, you know, keep him happy. Because he might not be willing to do what Derek McKenzie and others have done. He's seen it before. He might not be willing to do it. Um, so you got 13 spots. Top nine. So nine out of the 13 spots need to be skilled. That means you got four other spots. If Bra- if it's Sheehan, Brower, Sevier, then you only got one other spot for like a Howerluck, which is, you know, that's great and everything, but Howerluck's supposed to make this these Sheehan's, these, you know, these McGinn's not Expendable. needed. Well, let's, and, and he has. He has. I mean, he I think he's been one has. of the brightest spots um, uh, of the last couple weeks has been Howerluck's ability to be like, all right, Yes, he might not be a top six NHL player. He might not be as good as we once thought when he was drafted. But this isn't like Quentin Howden. This isn't, you know, he goes out, and he tries to, this he is, goes out with a fire in his rear end and just this plays. Is, this is a guy, I think, who. He's in many ways a be, modern bottom six NHL forward and one you that, need to win. I think he's a, a Zach Hyman type. Uh, and, you know, that. that a guy who can play in the top. He was once drafted by the Panthers, of course. Right, and you know, this is... Now, they did draft him because they wanted his father to invest in the team, but... He turned out... It turned out to be... That's not the only reason he could have been drafted, so that's... This is true. So I, uh, I'll give it up to him. Um, and, you know, like, the, he's a use, useful, serviceable person. He's supposed to replace these guys, but 
if they keep bringing them back, the that's the that's really the only thing I well, worry you about. Hear oh. Broadcasts like, can the Panthers get depth scoring? And you're like, well, no, because Troy Brower is getting more ice time than Henrik Borgstrom is, right. and Colton Sevier is because well, Jamie McGinn's on the second Sevier. fucking power play unit. And I mean, yeah, you know. Jamie McGinn's on the second power play unit, which is obscene. But but like, let, let, let's, let's bring talk the coach about back. this. Let's talk about this in terms of forward. So let's see, let's go next year. We we assume that they're still going to go after Panarin. I assume they're going to still go after Panarin. Right. And they I, definitely should. Now, the other question that has been going around Panthers, the Panthers verse a little bit. More so than Bobrovsky, yes. Yes, they should add, oh, Panarin way more than Bobrovsky. The other question that goes along with that is, is about trading Hoffman. And people have not really figured out why you'd trade Hoffman in this scenario. People get very defensive because they, and, and I like to call it the Florida syndrome. They finally have something that they think is really nice and they think is the shiny, they thing that they've been asking for all, all the time um, but they don't realize it's actually just Alexander Barkov and they've had him the whole time but it's like you know Mike Hoffman will never ever get another player like Mike Hoffman and they're they're making Mike Hoffman out to be a Mike Bossy when he's really more just the James Neal I mean Mike Hoffman's uh, had an incredibly good season but this is his career best and he yeah is, I mean I Alex Chies one next season yeah I mean like Frank Vitrano is not too far behind him um and, and he's making three and imagine if frank right and just imagine if frank Vertrano and that shot was set up in that power play spot and he was getting the service from keith yandel and alexander barkov and jonathan huberto in their career best years and so, i'm getting that knock too right yeah i mean i don't want to i'm not trying to slight anybody but you got the three best playmakers of the panthers having their best power play years ever in their career all feet and the power play is basically just pass it to this guy to take one-timers. And Mike Hoffman has a great shot, but it's not like Frank Vertrano doesn't, and he wouldn't have – and he's not having the Vincent same Shotrack shooting line. has a decent shot too, and he's now on second power play unit. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I, I think Hoffman's very good, and if you can get him locked into a short term it, – it's more just it's what does Florida want to do with him? It's more the it's, contract in the AAV that worries us, if, not so much the player. And if you could trust Florida to not to to just walk away from him, I, we wouldn't even need this conversation because the best thing you could do is have Mike Hoffman for the playoffs next year, and you just ride him and let, and you know trade him for a, a couple dra- trade his rights for a couple draft picks at next year's draft and, and recoup on what you paid to get him, and just be really happy you got you know. 70 goals from Mike Hoffman in two years and, and, you know, not pay that next deal because you'll have Panarin, you'll have Denisenko, you'll have Tippett, Tip, you'll have yeah. Bertrand, you'll have Hepo Niemi, you'll have, you have Sarah Noel, you have a, a decent amount of guys. Um, and if, if Mike Hoffman was younger, if he scored 30 goals before this year, if he um, was, was more defensive um, if I think if I thought he didn't have the Vincent Trocek syndrome where he needs to do it a little bit himself to to be right to be hot to, to get many going does he have an even strength this year I think it's like 11 or 12 right it's and not and that, a lot I don't want to knock him for it. I mean it's just no, 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 no. that's not what he, he's there for, yeah obviously and, and it's just like all right let's let's dial it back just in the same way Keith Yandel isn't the number one left-handed defenseman for the Panthers and, and that the Panthers need uh Mike Hoffman's not 
the big goal scorer the Panthers need either. That that goal scorer is, I mean, Barkov's not far behind Hoffman, and he's doing he's it with way less. And Hoffman's got thirty three. Way less shots. Way less. You know, he's standing in front of the net on the power. And he's play. not, and he's not even necessarily, you know, eating on the power play. He's doing things five on five too. And so it's. I, with Mike Hoffman, you have the chance to to bring in the type of defenseman that we all thought Mike Matheson could be or that Florida thought Mike they could turn Mike Matheson into when they realized that he wasn't going to be the first thing. They all thought he was going to be Yandel, and then it, they just realized he just was never going to put up the points at the NHL level. So they tried to turn him into a shutdown D, and it's just gone horribly. Um and, you know, I hate saying this. I think he's a really nice guy and everything. But that contract is... It's bad. If you can get out of it this offseason, you have to. And I think for Mike hey, Matheson... Hey, Oilers, would you like a good puck-moving defenseman that's better than right. what you and, have? And would you and, like to trade Jesse Pugliarvi for that? Could and you like, imagine Edmonton, the reaction if that happened? Edmonton would love a contract like that because he wouldn't be able to get say no to it. And he, yeah, and he's signed long term, and he's a great skater. And you know what? He, that would be great for his career. And I think the best thing for Matheson, for his career, is to leave Florida. I, I, I just, they kind of stunted him to the point where I, I, I think you know he leads the league this season, and some of it's coaching, but some of it is him forcing it. He leads the league in what the hell are you doing moments. This right, year. and and you know. If if Fugner really is going to be back next year, I mean, like they've just kept him at all. They've been throwing minutes after minutes after minutes at him, giving him all the opportunities and time. At this point, you got to be honest. You'd to skate himself out of up there at this point. I mean, he's like that's the problem with with the Florida Panthers defense. They just have no one. Like they have a uh, they have their power play specialist and their high offense. A high-risk defender in Keith Yandel. They have their number one right-handed defenseman in Aaron Ekblad, who I, I think is more who needs to be supplanted. I think he's more of like a Shea Weber to Ryan Sutter, and for to get the best out of him, you need to have somebody to do the things he can't. He's not Shea Weber and Ryan Sutter are very good, but they're the type of defenders that need that strong pairing to really be the game breakers, the guys without faults. Uh, I'm okay living with Ekblad's faults and everything, but I, I know a lot of he's had a very decent season, aren't. all things considered. I think he's had better than a decent season. I don't want to, you know, like I think he's had a very good season, but I think, you know, the issue with Aaron Ekblad is not anything that has to do with Aaron Ekblad other than I think he needs to, skate more in the off season and, and just be a better become a better skater I mean I think that's just on him to get stronger ankles but like he's not going to be the same type of player that everyone thought he was going to be when drafted he can maybe be the number one D on a team but he's not going to be a Victor Hedman type number one defenseman he's not going to be this do everything puck rusher you know headsy guy He's going to be a Shea Weber type of defenseman, guy who can score a lot of goals, uh, hits heavy, uh, stands up at the blue line, denies zone entries, and can move the puck. Um, yeah, he can move the puck. I mean, he he makes good passes. He sees the ice well. He's a good leader. He's 
you need a guy like him to win a lot of playoff series. And there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with his contract. But Florida needs a top-end defenseman to go with them and they need a bunch of other defensemen to make it all go okay i don't i think you know like you have mccaution who i think you've pretty much just ruined um you have yeah. josh brown who sucks you have Wegar, who's pretty much a budget keith yandel which is great to have but it's not really solving any issues at the moment he's been good and riley people- stillman and thomas shemtich are solid but again r- probably rate out as third parent guys. They they don't have any top four guys other than Yandel and Ekblad. And these are guys who don't have their yin and yangs figured out. They don't have their balances. You're not getting the best out of them. It's a quick turnaround. It's a quick turnaround. If you can get, I mean, it's not, it's not easy to get those to get two defensemen of that or three defensemen this is, this is why we were talking about but, trading hoffman because if you traded him now with a year left on his contract that his cap hits like 5.1 yeah and if you could Every get a guy like team in the nhl you could trade a player two and they could take that contract on we thought nashville right what about the predators and we saw dante fabro if he made whatever he signs with there that's the kind of young defenseman that the panthers need in the system to be another I, one of those guys. I wouldn't be afraid to even go for someone, you know, like Campus Lindholm or, you know, yeah. someone further like down. What team, what, like what teams in the NHL have a surplus of defensemen that you could go out and acquire if you traded Mike Hoffman for said that and a pick? Like what teams could you go Dallas, to? Calgary, Anaheim are the three teams I call right Flyers? away. I mean, I would call the Flyers, but I feel like those types of trades are are always easier cross conference. Yeah, but I mean, Dallas has got some good defense. But like, I don't know if the Flyers would give Philippe Myers. Well, I, yeah. I mean, they need a. If if I'm being honest, the Panthers need a left-handed defenseman back. So if you're going to say, if you are, going I mean, the to the the, the, the Flyers have tons of left-handers, but will they give Travis Sandheim up? for oh, yeah well, like that would be that would be gold like you know like i don't want seeing got to spare although you know and that's the problem with trading with the flyers so that's is like you know you'll have oh we, we could have got shane got to spare or something like that it's like well that's not really because he's from you know plantation yeah. which is but anyway if you had is, a chance you know, to trade for a young defenseman for mike hoffman what defenseman would you be saying like this is exactly what the panthers need to give people an idea of what we're going after. Cause we could say, you know, trade Mike Hoffman, but what would you, what defenseman do you think is, is that kind of guy conference be damned for this argument for, for visual effects, just to understand the type of DM looking for Essa Lindell. Uh, he was a thorn in Florida's side when well, they the just Panthers played in just couldn't play against the stars this year right. but, but, awful in those two games. But, but I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Essa Lindell outside of those two games. he, he understands what his role is. He he puts up enough points. If you, if you don't think he's offensive, he's, I think, top 50 in defenseman scoring. He puts up enough points. Uh, he can make good long passes, but he makes smart, simple passes on the breakout. He's the type of guy who's not a puck rusher. The Florida Panthers have enough D who are puck rushers, guys who hold on to the puck and skate all over. And I think, you know, while Travis Sandheim would be nice, Travis Sandheim kind of falls into this too. They need a puck mover. Guys who take three steps and, and make a hard pass and get the puck into 
the wingers and the forwards hands. If the Panthers do have this top six, like where they get Hoffman and they maybe, or they get Panarin and, and Denisenko or Tippett hit or Heponiemi hit, and they have this crazy top six, why would you want the puck in the hand of a defenseman more than it has to be? Like you pay these guys millions of dollars to create offense, give them the puck and let them go. Yes. Support them. Yes. Jump in from the blue line and cycle down low to keep the pucks alive. And yes, here are some, here are some numbers on Essel and Dell, just to give you an idea. Yeah. Now his, his, his course, URL is minus five, but he's starting 42% of his shifts in the offensive zone. So he is a guy that absorbs a lot of the pressure. He was on that pairing with, I can't remember who it was. I think he was on a pairing with Roman Pollock. So, I mean, it's not exactly, you know, great. Right. But, like, I mean, he would be, I guess, somebody if you could get Dallas to move him. They need scoring, so they would trade for Hoffman, I guess. Another guy, another guy, uh, Brett Pesci from Carolina. Yeah, they got Hampus Lindholm, I've, Hampus Lindholm, I've already seen, said. Um, a really young guy from Calgary, Rasmus Anderson. Do, are they allowed to go after Swedish players? I mean, I think they need to. I, I think they need definitely need some more Swedes um, in the lineup. And, you know, the Swedes in, on defense are not, not the worst way to go. So no. if you have to add Swedes, Finns in the front, Swedes in the back, and then what? Let's, let's, uh, let's get Russians all over. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, like, that's what we're saying. If you could trade Mike Hoffman for somebody like that and you're able to sign Panarin, yeah. this is this better. is the This is the defender that you're – you're trading Hoffman for what you think is a guy who can play 22 minutes a night on the back end with Aaron Ekblad with Aaron Ekblad and make it so Aaron Ekblad isn't chasing guys corner to corner falling on his ass left alone because Mike Matheson sucks and Keith Andel sucks in their own zone this is this is someone that's going to do the heavy lifting in the zone so he doesn't have to Yep. And, and and this is going to allow him to to be the type of defenseman he this is was. This would make Aaron Ekblad and Keith Yandel better. Like those right. defensemen who are going to allow them to say, you can go out and do whatever you want because you got somebody at home who's going to pick up those mistakes for you. Imagine, imagine if Ekblad didn't have to make that many turnovers because his partner wasn't getting in trouble and throwing him a hot potato in the corner. And or there's, there's a lot there's a lot of times to get out of the zone. There's a lot of times where Ekblad will win a battle against one or two guys, get the puck to his defender to go out the other end. That defender, uh, Matheson, will just skate himself into trouble, loop back and just dump the puck back to to Ekblad. And and Ekblad will just be like, well, come on, man. Like, you know, what? Am, and then Ekblad will have to, you know, escape his trouble and try to do something with it. But you know, it, it's it was funny because I think it was on that Dallas broadcast where Dallas basically said that in the Florida D zone, everyone basically just passed the buck. Like the only way they know how to get out of trouble is just throw the puck to the nearest person or to a teammate or an area and just let the trouble go there. And at least they don't have it. And, you know, that's so true. Well, you need to get defenders who are comfortable without the puck, who when the other team has the puck, they feel calm. They know what to do. They feel confident in their abilities to get it back without running around without making unnecessary jumps, without cheating to get out of the defensive zone. Where Florida has to season. cheat to get out to even to even get out of the zone, Florida has to cheat and 
and panic and like go into full desperation mode just to clear the zone. How many times this year have you seen shifts and even the broadcasts are starting to talk about it now? Like Goldie and Potvan are starting to talk about how many times when the puck should be out of the zone first time, but it's not. And it's second and third time and the puck does not leave the defensive zone and they kill themselves doing that. How many yeah. times does that happen? It happens every three times every game. And that is absolutely 100% coaching. That is yeah. a systemic you problem can... with the defenseman. And it's not as if like Aaron Eckblad can't do that if he wasn't told to not to. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and the thing is, when you have defensemen who know what they're doing in the D zone, you're less reliant on coaching. Because it's not just listening to what Capuano is telling you to do. It's, no, I know what to do. Like, you know, I'm good at clearing the zone. I'm going to get the puck. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to take what the defense gives it to me. I'm going to take a step up ice and I'm going to make a pass on the tape and get out of the zone. I'm not going to skate myself into trouble. I'm not going to play pa- back and forth with, with, with you know my D. I'm going to get the puck. I'm going to cut up ice and I'm going to get it out of the zone. And it's not high and off the glass and it's not just throwing it. It's, you know, putting it, it's putting it, it's putting it into where the wingers can do something with it. Because, you know, if you look at this team, the one thing they do have are forwards who are good at zone entries, forwards who are good at taking the puck through the neutral zone and getting it there and getting it into the zone. Because even if we're talking about the grinders, you know, Jamie McGinn, uh, you know, I don't like him that much, but he can catch a pass and dump the puck in. And if you can get it to, if you can put a puck, you know, around his stick, he can catch it, relieve the pressure, and get it down the other end. And that's all you really need. And it it doesn't take, you, the the lucky thing for the Panthers is it's not going to take going Bobrovsky levels UFA or Panarin levels UFA to fix the issue. They're not going to have to spend ten million dollars over eight years to fix the issue. It's going to take five six million dollars put into the right type of defenseman or the, or the, a few of the right type of defensemen, I should say, um, to fix the issue. Because unfortunately, a lot of defensemen are underpaid and the ones that are high paid are the type that Florida already has, the offensive ones, the ones that, you know, aren't that great in the defensive zone. Uh, finding the guys who are just really fine with getting the puck and moving it to their D partner, moving it out and, and you know playing underneath the puck and just being smart and simple they're the guys that are paid like two million dollars for three years so how many so uh, in terms of let's say four million dollars yeah in terms of like like in terms of like ufad like we i think trade is a much better way to get the d that you need and they could clearly do that if they wanted to if you're looking at the cap friendly page Anton Strawman is the yeah. really the only name that jumps out at you. And I mean, like, would, would and that's a great forward? example. I mean, he like basically if you, you paid would five million for three years, would he come to Florida? I, think I mean, I think he would if he if Tampa's not an option. I don't think he'd pick Florida over Tampa. No, I don't think anybody's picking Florida but, over Tampa. But the I mean, I think given hell, you have to given that. yeah given his given his age and where he is out with his career and everything, I think he might just want to move a couple hours east, you know, rather than uproot I mean, himself and go somewhere else. Avail options out there. And yeah, it's not going to be UFA. I mean, and, and you know, I, you, you, could get, you can get this defenseman a few different ways. I mean, there's... Obviously, 
there's guys out there that you can get, especially with a guy like Matheson and a prospect or Mike Hoffman. You can go get these. I mean, like really would Oscar Clefbaum from Edmonton be that bad? I think he would be someone who would get the job done. And what do you who, think the Edmonton media would think of a Clefbaum for Matheson trade? I mean, and if you swap Pools RV and like... Well... I mean, as I said, if you could get Matheson and for Puy Arvey at Hoof. I mean, I would. I mean, if we're going to just do armchair GM stuff, I mean, pulls your RV and Clefbaum for Matheson and Hoffman. I, I'm fine with that. You can even it out with picks or however I mean, you want. They would, everybody, everybody watching that trade would go, oh, the, the Oilers got a lot. And then, Panth- and then you and I would be sitting here going, you know what? The Panthers actually did pretty well here. Yeah. I mean, it's. The the Panthers have. Goals Hoffman would score on McDavid's wing. Yeah, I mean, I mean the it one look good for the Panthers just from that basic perspective, but we would know that it would actually end up turning out pretty well because the Panthers would then have money to sign Panarin. And by the way, can I can I can I mention that for for all that it's worth, because I still hear the Marshall So and Riley Smith crap when you talk about Vegas, even though they're not the best forwards on that team anymore, you know. The Panthers still ended up getting rid of those two, got Hoffman and Dadenoff, and are paying less for Hoffman and Dadenoff and are getting more production out of them. So. And, and, and that's another reason to be okay with trading Hoffman. I mean, finding somebody that you can turn into a one-off, two-off, 30-goal scorer, you know, like a just like um, I don't want to say Jonathan so Chichu. Hard. I don't want to say a Jonathan Chichu type like deal, but, you know, there's a lot of guys that are good enough hockey players that if you – do your homework and you find out, all right, this is a guy who plays really good with this center, you know, with this type of center, let's do it. Let's milk his minutes and let's get the most out of this small UFA deal we can do with him. You know, uh, that seems to be happening a lot more and more. It's a lot harder to, especially in Florida's case to find this defenseman that they've rebuilt their defense three, four times and have held on to the stupid idea that their that their D can just hold on to the puck, create all the offense from the back end, not get burned, not have any chemistry with their partners well, whatsoever. Their, you watch. Okay. Let's, let's talk about watching the Panthers via watching, let's say Toronto. Cause this is the most stark any, example of it, but it's, it's almost any, well, I mean, well, I would actually say that Florida is actually trying to build their defense like Toronto, and that's the problem. It's not coached well enough to. Well, no, no. I mean, I think the 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 D Toronto's the the D Toronto has right now is the issue, and I think that's why it's Toronto's going to be much better once they get like Erasmus Sandin and and some of the better better D that they have in their system coming through because they have their Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner's AKA their Ekblad and Yandels. Well, Gardner's going to leave, but regardless yeah, of that, but you know, they, they have, they have that part down, but they have no defenseman. That's really, I mean, other than Muzzin, but the, that's the thing with mid season trades. And that's why you have to do it in the off season. Why I, I'm so I push so much for it in the off season is mid season trades. It, it it's flipping a coin that it he the chemistry and the the feeling and like the desire and the comfortability is even going to be there for performance in, in the regular season. I mean, I think Muzzin maybe turns it around in the playoffs, and and the guys usually do do better in the playoffs in the regular season. But 
I mean, other than Muzzin, they don't really have anyone that's comfortable in the D zone on the back end. Um, I I don't mind. I'm trying to think of his name. It's like Olog, some not Zaitsev, but the other D they sign, but they don't yeah. like playing them. They don't like playing them that much. What about, um, like okay, if you were but, able to get one of the Leafs, like Callie Rosens or somebody like that. He'd be fine. I mean, I'd be... Even as just a, a third-pair guy, would you be okay with getting... I mean, it wouldn't be your number one D acquisition, but would you be okay with something like that happening? Because I think that, you know what? Possibly. If you're going to try I mean, to find, like, better, budget but options... I mean, like, the, Toronto has better D. I mean... Well, yeah, but they're not trying uh, what's to his name? or Liljegren, so it's irrelevant. I mean, if you, if you give them... If you give them Hoffman, they, maybe they, they think about it, but they don't need any more offense. That's not their issue. But what if you take some... I mean, if you're going to have a slow grinder make $3 million like Jamie McGinn in your bottom six, why not have Patrick Marlowe and take well, Patrick I mean, You know what I mean? Like, this is – like, Florida kind of just has to figure out what they're willing to do to to right the wrongs. And it's like – and that means what – how – like, what they're willing to do to eat Bob Bugner's contract and go out and pay – an actual NHL coach because you can't fire Bob Bugner and then go hire a first time NHL coach for 950,000 or $1.1 million. She doesn't know what she's doing. You know, like George a couple of weeks ago when we, when I had George Richards on, like, are they going to pay for a coach like that? And he said, yes. And I was shocked. I mean, like there's no evidence in their history to suggest that they will. So then you got to, so, you know, they, they gotta have to balance all this. So if you're maybe if you're if they're actually gonna go do that, then they're not gonna be taking a contract like Patty Marlowe back because they're already extending their dollars with the coaches, with the possibly Panarin, with whatever. But they kind of have to set it all up with where they're willing to put the money. But in my estimation, the biggest thing they need to do: get rid of the coach, get a starter. Um, and I don't think getting a starter means spending a Barovsky money. I think you can get a good starter. Like Varlamov. I mean, I think he, like, there's a Russian who's in the draft this year who's turning 21. Yeah, but the thing breaking is, breaking KHL right? As well as I know, as much as he'd be good, you can't rely on somebody like that to be a starter in the NHL. That's but not that's, work. but you don't, like, that's the thing. You don't need the fucking best starter. You just need competent goaltending if they go out and get, and actually do redo their defense if they get a new coach if they get an Aaron and and then if they decide we're actually going to play our prospects then they don't need to go out and get like pay six million dollars to get some vet goalie who's who may or may not be like we know that Montembeau is good enough like I I don't there's not I'm more likely to believe that Montembeau will be as good as Varlamov than I'm going to believe that Varlamov is so much better than you know, some undrafted uh, European goalie that if the Flyers, not the Flyers, holy well, shit. If the, the Panthers, sorted. yeah, if the Panthers, you know, Euro scouts, like if Kekalainen says, yeah, let's go get this goalie. I know this goalie. Like, I would trust that. Like, just I go for that. that because then, because you can build the defense. I mean, I think what the Panthers are showing right now is with, I mean, Montembeau is not doing that much better than, than you know what they've gotten from goalies in the past couple two years already and like the team's defense has already improved a lot like i think he's showing that they don't really like the biggest thing is fixing the defense and fixing the coaching because 
the defense is product of the coaching. Yes. When they when they fired. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I know that we dunked on one of those takes earlier this year that said the biggest problem with this team is goaltending. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how good the goaltending is. The team in front of him is still so bad that you're still going to give up for a night. And that was Montembeau. Like, Montembeau played well enough to win that game on Tuesday. But the Panthers' D was so awful that they had no, he had no chance, right? Yeah. You never felt in that game that there was an opportunity that they were going to win. Because I mean, he was so bad, and that's a yes, coaching. If they played I mean, Mont- the most important thing. If they had Montembeau, okay. if they had Montembeau from Luongo's first injury, yeah, they're probably the wild card two seed, and they probably get destroyed in the first round, and and who cares? But like you know, the biggest issue is defense. The biggest issue is coaching. When they if fired, when they when they fired, when they fired town the first time around when they when they redid the defense when they brought in yandel and they said we want to score from the back end we want to run the defense through or the offense through our defense we want the defense to bring the puck up the ice we want it yeah. hasn't worked and they haven't fixed it they haven't tried going anything else we right now are like they brought in Bogdan Kisilovich, who was frankly good enough to get the job done. Was good enough to be, to be a Yandel's partner on the second pair, or and they never to work with. And, and you know what? Now you're seeing another coach, Maurice, uh, Paul Maurice in Winnipeg, not using him. And I've seen countless Jets fans saying free Bogdan of their own accord. You know, and it's the so, same mistake that was made already once. But if they fix the defense, if they get rid of this coaching, if they can come to terms with the fact that defense in the new NHL is not not having a full defense of Quinn Hughes, of of Zach Rowinski's guys who just or Travis Hanheim's, you can't have six of them. You just you fucking can't. I think you that, need. I think that you need two of them. You can have two or three of them, but like you know. You still need guys to be puck movers, not puck rushers. You still need guys who are going to lift sticks, who are going to feel comfortable without the puck and know when to switch in the D zone, when to help out their partner. And because how many times have I seen Matheson? How many times have I seen Yandel just pick a defenseman? Every defenseman picks their head up, looks around, and realizes they're on an island because their defense partner is not on the same page as how many as times have they flubbed the point shot and puck gets by them and it's odd man rush and, and and the reason why is because they're heading up ice to get in the play because they're already just trying to be wingers they're, they're extra wingers. in the play but they don't necessarily have to be rushing the puck up all the time and and once they figure that out once they figure but like you know it, it bugs me that they hired a coach who after that whole thing of, hey, we know we messed up. We want to do it this way. And Talon's totally in charge and all this stuff. They hired a coach and they hired a D coach who do not believe in that. Capuano says he wanted so-and-so, what, 150 points out of his defense every year or something like that. He wanted so many shots a game out of his defense. How's that worked out? We see what shooting from the outside and the perimeter and off the rush they to the are deep. horrible and expected goals. Right? They they have such a big difference in their expected and goals, even though their puck possession numbers are okay. And that's they because can, they take shots from terrible locations all the time. They can go. They can like I think that they can 
bet on Montembeau and someone similar, whether it's Thatcher Demko, which I, I've heard mentioned, whether it's some un, like if somebody, if you get two Montembeaus to play in goal next year and you fix the defense and you get a new coach, you don't even need Panarin and you're probably winning a playoff round and you're probably having the best season in Florida Panthers history outside of going to the Stanley cup. And it doesn't take that much money. The most money you spend would be in buying out guys and hiring a new coach. Cause you so could, I, I gotta ask them trade, you could trade Hoffman and Matheson's money out and add that money in and goalie and defense and, and not really do much and different. Not bring in the back any of the fourth line grinders that are kind of irrelevant. You could even do that. And I would still, and I would still be confident this team would win a playoff series. Even if Sheehan was back, even if Brower was back and McCann and McGinn was back but if they had, you know, Brett Pesci and Anton Strawman on the back end uh, in the top four, and their third pair was like Makoshin and Wegar, or Stillman and Wegar, or you know, whatever, uh, yeah, I would be, I would be very confident this team would be a division, a one-two-three division seed, and probably winning the first round of the playoffs. I think that that's what Panthers fans need to expect of this team next year. And I'm not saying that Panthers fans what is with what is expectations, the, but but if if you're what's your, what's your feeling that like can you really say that Bob Boudner is not going to be back next year? There's I no am indication. Pretty confident, not confident. I think that's the wrong word, but I'm pretty sure I don't have any sources. I haven't reported it, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to fire him. Now, the thing that I'm going to say is twofold. I can't honestly imagine that they bring back the same coaching staff because it went so badly this year and they have one of the worst defensive records in the NHL. Cannot honestly imagine they bring back the same coaching staff. And since right now their power play is pretty good, their penalty kill has been off lately, but they've got a top two power play and they've had since October. You don't fire the guy that's coaching that. The other guy you fire would be Capuano. Now, I don't know who you'd hire to replace him to coach D and whether he'd be told to coach the same system, but... Anything's better than Capuano. Now, I also fully believe that if we go into next season and they have another one of their traditional October they play terrible and the first week of November they look like garbage, then Booger would be fired. If he comes then, next season, but he then will you're not throwing away all the rest of that season because at that point, who would the Florida be able to even hire? You're like picking Guy Boucher, Guy or Boucher off the. Forbid Randy Carlisle. You know, like that's who, or you know, it's. Well, here's my question: it's, If you're firing it's, him in the it's Greg Kinnear coming coming off the Kinnear. set of as who's oh, as God. as good as it gets, trying to you know, well, Ken Hitchcock. Know, like you can't. That's the thing. You're you're basically already saying it's okay. Like you know, like the at, Bugner can't come back because the thing is, he would be on such a short lease if he came back that you, you're basically risking another year of this team. And it just just do it now. Just pull the Band-Aid off now. Because, again, this is the number one goal is, and Vinny Viola needs to wake up every morning thinking this, it's we need to re-sign Barkov. Barkov needs to win a playoff series. Wins need, win, needs to win multiple playoff series. In the remainder of this contract to get to get him to come back yep you're there's no right there's no reason he could walk for nothing and no florida panthers fan would blame him they would go hog wild blaming ownership 
You know, I'm not blame Barkov. I'm not too sure about that. I think well, that there's enough to do that, but you know where we would stand, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think, and frankly, you know, this was a make or break year for Florida, and how they responded was pathetic. How they responded should cast huge, huge shadows of doubts, and it has to the most arguant fans, to, I mean, to guys who defend what happened, you so much. what happened a couple of weeks ago when they blew that lead to Boston. I mean, we followed the Florida Panthers for a long time. We followed the Florida Panthers for a long time on social media. I have never seen that much anger at the team. But, but the, the thing with Florida Panthers fans is they release the anger and go back to neutral so quickly. Uh, it might be the weather uh, or, or weather I don't know. But, but, you know, it's... Well, then there's Monty Chance. You know, yeah, because as, yeah, as soon as, the, oh, okay, well, we really fucked up. We're going to play Montembeau. Oh, okay, this team's great. I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying, hearing people say, you know, why are people criticizing the line? There's nine games left. Let's just enjoy it. And how many times I've heard people, oh, let's see it, you know, let's just enjoy it. What is there to enjoy? Like, at, they haven't at least last year. Since the first Clinton administration. If this was any other team in any other market in the NHL, they would be crucified for it. At least last year we were winning down the stretch and playing I mean, exciting hockey. Like honest. this year we're doing nothing down the stretch. Yeah, we're, it was it's, like, it's bad. This is this has just been like it's, there's no reason why there's not a fire Bugner banner over I, this. I was I was fully convinced after that game against the Bruins, I thought there was gonna be one. And no, I still it's think because... there might be one, but the fact that we no, haven't seen and, one yet. And I think if you, we looked into the season ticket renewal numbers and stuff, I think it's more apathy than anger. And I think for Florida, long-term, that's worse. Short-term, that, that lets the ownership and the management off the hook. And it probably means... You know, I'm not saying that if fans started bitching and complaining more, it would necessarily be fired, but... You know, remember you saw what if, happened. If you, you if saw you what spent... happened with this team with when that row banner came up. Do you remember what happened when that row banner was a Sunday game against Montreal? They pretty much admitted that they were going to fire row. As they as, had to, you know, like, they had you to. Know. because because you were. I remember Craig Custance tweeted, "I didn't realize the natives were that restless," and I joked that you should have listened to the Y Hockey podcast because we were. And obviously, he wasn't going to do that, and that was said mostly as a joke. But of course, it was like this was it was so bad that that had to be done. And that's what it's going to take. Like, if they, if the organization was embarrassed enough, like with what happened in that 16-17 season, to do something and create massive changes, then they'll do it because they realized that, you know, when they got their tail between their legs, they will retreat, as most organizations would do when they have their tail between their legs. And the fans have to be able to put the pressure on the organization and expect them not to say, oh, we're happy if we make the playoffs. That can't be the expectation next year. You've got, as you said, Alexander Barkov. He might end up breaking Pavel Bure's single-season points record for the Panthers this year. Jonathan Huberdeau set the Panthers' single-season assist record. Keith Yandel is going to break the Panthers' single-season franchise points for defensemen. Mike Hoffman set a career high in goals, and they're going to finish double-digit points out of the playoffs. That's unacceptable. Every other team in the NHL, if that happened, they'd be at least a playoff team, and you'd be expecting them to win at least more than a round. So that's where the... Panthers fans have to go out and say you can't be okay that you just have a team you can't be okay if they make the playoffs I understand that you would because they've not made it very often and that's good and this is a league where more than half the teams make the playoffs but they haven't won a playoff series in 23 years I believe and I'm looking it up as we speak that if the sports that have series 
That is the longest active drought without a playoff series win, right? Because what's happening in Columbus? They've gone all in to try to win this year. They might not win, but at least you could say for Yarmo Kekalainen and John Tortorella, they've tried to spend their money to win a playoff series. You know what I mean? The Panthers haven't done that. And therein lies a huge amount of problems. And we know that the Panthers are capable. If you've got a player like Barkov, you're capable of doing more than they've been doing. And you're right. Every single day, Vinny Viola needs to go in and ownership needs to go in and the front office needs to go in and say, how can we do our best to keep him? Because if you lose him, you have to start from scratch. You have to start all over again. Because you don't get players like Alexander Barkov overnight. They made the best decision in franchise history to draft him over Drew Ann and Seth Jones. We can agree on that. And you can't go in and say he's won no playoff series as a Florida Panther. And then he walks. And then everybody goes, well, we're about loyalty. And I'm like, why would you be loyal to the Panthers? They don't win. They've ruined his career. Why would he not go to look for somewhere to win? He deserves that opportunity, right? This is where... Yeah, maybe he wants to play more than 80 games in a year, you know? And I'm like, let's be honest. Like, every year, he's voted as the league's most underrated player because he plays in Florida and the team he's on is bad. Well, if the team he was on actually made it to the postseason, then people would appreciate how good he is. Like, he's not winning the Selkie this year because he's not had a good defensive season, but offensively, I mean, what more can you ask him to do? What more can you ask Jonathan Huberdeau to do? What more can you reasonably ask Mike Hoffman to do? I'm, I'm old enough to remember being told that, oh, well, you know, if, if Barkov would just get 90 points, the team would make the playoffs. Well, if if Huberto They haven't made the playoffs. If, if Huberto would just, get you know, yeah, if, if they just had one more 30-goal scorer, you know, they have, what, 520 goals? You know, it, it's... 520-goal scorers this year. Yep. There's a... And, you know, I've been looking into um, the Panthers' seventh-round draft pick last year. The defenseman, the Finn, Santu, yeah, uh, you know he's looking pretty good in the in the uh, in the pro league. Uh-huh. His stats and everything. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think he's NHL ready next year, but that is promising. That you know, um, you just, Max you Max piece? Gilden is. He, I I think he needs to leave UNH. Uh, is I my no? You do live there. Is my opinion. Um, I think it's harder. It's going to be hard for him to take any further steps with how poor that team is. Um, uh-huh. I, I think it's probably better to just transition him to the well, AHL. You read the piece and, on, Sarah, uh, on Sarah Noel recently from George and the Athletic. Yeah, they, they seem to really like him. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of promise and potential and you know if it it's it may only take one off season to turn to turn this around and like they could make them into be a team that is as good as boston and toronto and win a playoff series and that should absolutely next year be the expectation and, and they could have been that team this year they should they could have been that team they could have been that team you're telling me that a panthers team with some slight adjustments would have been better than carolina columbus and montreal it's it's <laughs> Absolutely, they would have been better than all of them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look at look at the coaching job Claude Julian's doing. Um, I mean, you know that. I mean, other than other than basically admitting Jonathan Drouin can't play anymore, <laughs> which is which is true because he's not playing any minutes anymore. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Well. Um, by, by the way, I'm looking up like what is the longest active series droughts? Like, what was the last time a team won a playoff series? Yes. 
And I'm looking at it right now in the NBA, and the longest active drought is, as far as I can tell, because I'm looking at it very quickly while talking, is the Milwaukee Bucks. They last won a playoff series in 2001. Now, that's going to end this year because they're going to win a series, right? But that's the longest active playoff drought in that sport. In Major League Baseball, I mean, it's different because of the, the, the games that you have and how the series works, but there's no team that's had a long of a drought, you know, as, as, as Florida has, obviously. And then if you look at the NFL, the longest active playoff drought is the Bengals, who haven't won a playoff game since 1991. And the Bengals are even worse than the Panthers. Like, they're, they're even more incompetent, if you can believe that. So, you look at all of that, right? And you say, like, they haven't won a playoff series since the first four years of Bill Clinton. And people are like, oh, we're happy to have a team. Panthers fans, you can't think like that. You cannot think like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's a they... mindset that's going to kill this organization from the fans. And it's happened with Edmonton, and that's why they've won one playoff series in the last, you know, since the lockout, because they expect so little. You and, and, and at least the fans in Edmonton hold ownership to task. You know what I mean? Like, when you hear the stories about what's going on in Ottawa and what's going on in Edmonton right now, we hear all these stories about crisis of consumer confidence. There is no belief in what the fans think the organization is going to do to win, right? No one believes in what the Ottawa Senators are doing, and no one believes in what the Oilers are doing. I'd like to think that the Panthers fans, there's a crisis of confidence, but I don't legitimately know if there's a crisis of confidence. Because I mean, maybe, there's there's not. I mean, I think... There should be. It It's not so much that Florida Panthers fans have confidence in, in the team or the ownership. It's They don't think that they sh are, should be allowed to have that type of decision or like feel that way it's oh no like it's just we support florida there's nothing it's wrong with the, supporting the panthers but, but it's, they don't it's, it's it's not it's not a level of it, it, this ownership has done a very good job of sowing the seeds that you know what being a fan is and what being a fan isn't and for a lot of people, they're happy to be close enough. They're happy with the chance. They're happy because for whatever reason, they believe this is the only professional sports team that honors the military. Or for whatever reason, they think this is the only sports team that cares about the community that they take money from. Um, yeah, no, and, that ain't true. And it, there's, so, there's just a lot that gets pushed under the rug with this team in this this franchise that where i mean we're still it is unbelievable the fact that they are playing josh brown they signed this guy brady keeper they're going to be playing him um and and probably their best defensive prospect i would say outside of max gildan is thomas shemtich and where where why isn't he playing he's been buried in the ahl he's they they still can't figure out a good ahl development path uh for their defensemen they still have a bunch of useless bodies uh in the ahl um and if they're going to be turning these these prospects we're all excited about these um you know the hope the future hope that the fans have, are always being sold um, you know, things have to really change this offseason. We need 
Chris Pronger to step out and to take more control of this team. We need talent to take less control. We need the ownership to continue to take less control, but to open up their budgets more and more and be willing to pay outside of just the cap hit. Listen, to pay. that's where people are saying, like, well, they spend nearly to the cap. Well, again, what are they spending on off-cap things? What well, I mean, go, go. Caps? Do they spend to the cap? I mean, they, well, they're again, not technically spending to the cap, but let's be honest, they're spending closer friendly. to the cap than most people expected them to. They're up to One, seventy-six million. One, two, three, There's four, fourteen teams five. that spend more than them. Oh, so they're in the middle. They're in the middle of the pack. Yes. Okay. So this is everything. They've always been in the middle of the pack. They keep, you know, they keep saying well, we're doing this, we're doing that, and the floor. That's and you awesome. go back, and it's oh, they keep. They're just middle of the pack. They're just middle of the pack. They're just middle of the pack. If that's what being competitive to this ownership is, that's fine. But, I mean, you then they're You saying we have a Stanley Cup window to win in three years. And, by the way, that three-year window has expired. And you know how many times they've made the playoffs in that three-year window? Zero. Yeah, I mean. You have to hold people to task. You cannot be afraid of big... what's going to happen. What is, what is ownership going to say that would make you – what are you afraid of as a fan? If you say, I'm disappointed in the product, I want more. And what's ownership going to say to you that makes you afraid? Like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm genuinely curious about. Like, what I mean, are you afraid of as a we, fan? You know what I mean? But it, yeah. I mean, to me, though, it's like, all right, they signed this, they signed a defenseman rated keeper. Great story. You know, his background having 63 cents in his bank account before the day before he signed, which, you know, that speaks more about NCA athletics than, yes. than the Did Florida you see Panthers. That video of what Eric. a day in the life is like, it's like, yeah, yes, it, it, uh, got, it got pilloried for good reason. Cause it's, it's, it's great parody. Maybe Saturday night Live could actually do a parody of that. That would be funny as opposed to, you know, bad, like most of their stuff is now anyway, like it's yeah. a great story and but it is hard to divorce he, sometimes the human element from hockey, but in terms of just a pure hockey perspective, it's it's going to be tough to see how that really changes any of the fortunes and if that and I understand undrafted free agent signings kind of are you don't kind of go after the top of the class first it's kind of when the schools are done who's willing to sign who's wants to sign to play this year because that's an incentive for them et cetera et cetera but you know they need to be attacking I think different types of defensemen I I haven't seen him play too much uh and a lot of prospects haven't don't really have notes on him or anything but he was a 21 year old freshman which is old for somebody who's going to make an impact or make the nhl period um you know he's turning 23 and he was only a sophomore in college he came from the second tier junior league uh, in canada where he basically played most of his minutes and most of his numbers as an overager uh which you know He's noted as a puck rusher. Nothing wrong with that, but where does he fall on the Panthers' defense? Um, Right above Ludwig Bystrom, who, you know, was... It's not. It's not going to be. Oh, I don't. I don't think this kid's in the NHL next year. I don't think this kid's in the NHL really. It's and you know, I'd love to be. Hope you get on a lottery ticket. But you know, they got to there needs to be a couple more signings of that quality or better quality in D before, you know, the off season even gets going because, you know, I'm looking at their draft history, their, who they have uh, on defense. And it's a bunch of 
flyers. It's a bunch of not Philadelphia flyers, but a bunch, you know, like Jacob McDonald, like that's a flyer. He's 26. You maybe could have turned him into something if you gave him any gameplay this year, but they didn't. You know, they have Riley Stillman, who might be something. Michael Downing's probably nothing. Shemtich might be something. Melchery's nothing. Bystrom's nothing. Who else do they have? Gildan, Inamoto, the guy they just drafted in the seventh round this year. Kintunen. Yeah, that's it. That's like all they got. That's I mean, terrible. D. That's Oh, a, a couple of other guys. Like, yeah, that's that's basically it. Like, like the, the Not... Swedish guy they drafted in 2016 that might never be heard from again. Yeah, Linus. Linus like... Nassen. Yep. Like, like they like. If that's where it is. Like, there's just not enough D in the system. That's why you trade Hoffman if you could get a defensive guy that could really help yeah. you. And then they just need to, like, this draft, I hope the first three three rounds they just draft for uh, defensemen and goalies. Yeah, you don't need more forwards. They've got plenty of them. And you could find be, forwards I mean, later in the draft. Yeah. Well, but here's the I, other thing, though. I don't know what they're going to, like... So okay, where Where's the belief that the, the team that's really just going to, like... N- probably let Dennis Malgin go or bury Dennis Malgin again another season so they can play Jamie McGinn. Like where, like I know what they need to do. I know that they could do it within the budget that they want to spend and be a, a real challenger in the playoffs. Somebody who can win a series, maybe two and get on a streak and, and be an upset and, and, and ruin someone's chances. But I don't have any faith that they will make the decisions to get there because they've never made those decisions before. The people who have shown time and time again aversion to making those tough decisions are still the ones making the same calls. And the what I really need to see is Bugner. That's that's the that's the that's the big one because that's the one that's going to come first. It's going to come before the draft. You know, firing coach is something that would happen pretty quickly after oh, it the would season. Happen, let's see. They play their final game on a Saturday. It would happen on Monday. Tuesday. Yeah, Monday, Monday Tuesday. Tuesday. By the way, the draft lottery is that Tuesday night. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I like, I don't expect the Panthers. Here's the other thing that I want to talk about with some what Panthers fans are talking about with losing and does losing matter. Well, at this point, they've already won too much that they can't get enough of a you know, work in the lottery balls that it's going to matter. They're already too many points ahead. So the losing at this point is irrelevant. It's all about. Well, you know, I, I would say that. Yeah. But just remember the loss in Krause year. It, we is, were, it is the difference between they were going to take Ranton if it wasn't taken before him. And, you know, the other guy on the list was Timo Meyer, and they would have picked eighth if they didn't win that last final game. This is true. You're right. So, so you know, a game against the Devils, which is yep. what's going to happen this year. So, yeah. So you know, it's I I, I don't, if Montembeau's in net, I don't. I'm not rooting for them to lose. If Montembeau's not in net, I am rooting for them to lose. I think you your overall point though that at this point in the season, it doesn't matter anymore because unless it comes down to like you just miss on the D they needed to draft. You know, like that's the only way it would. They are eleventh out of the fifteen that have missed the playoffs. So you miss you miss Byram, the 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 best um, North American D in the draft. By he'll probably he'll be gone by top eight. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, you can also move up. You have drafted a little move up. I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't take it. I mean, I think the, the, if you're going to be using your capital to do anything, your capital is to get a top four left-handed defenseman to play with Eklad or, you know, somebody to play with the end, you know, some something. you, yeah. you got to get a top four defenseman if you're going to be using capital to do anything. Yes. Or a goalie. Or goalie, you're right, yeah. I mean, I wish you could use the capital to, to get a coach. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I want to give you one draft thing, and then we'll talk. I want to talk about coaches for a second. Um, well, if you're, if let's say they're drafting 11th, because if you think the Panthers have enough goodwill built in with the hockey gods to win a draft lottery, one of the three, right. that ain't happening. Don't even think about it being a remote possibility. Where they there's, finish is probably where they're going to draft. Yeah, there's... There's a few, I mean, there's always a shot that a forward falls, like um, Archer Kaliev is probably the one in the OHL, plays for Hamilton. I'm terrible with pronunciation, so yeah, it doesn't Kaliev. sound. And, and the reason, and of course, you know how they think that they could get goodwill back with the fan base is by drafting somebody who's from Delray Beach. Right, you know, and... Which, again, I wouldn't be opposed to, but they need D. I wouldn't be opposed to him either. And, like, you know, there's always the offhand chance that he falls to 11 or 12, or he falls where within the range that the Panthers could move up to get him or something like that. That, But I think with the D, you're basically just looking at, um, you know, trying to pick the guy you think is going to be the best defender in three or five years. And you can get that pick. I mean... At 13, you can get that pick. At 18, you get, I mean, 28, 29 sometimes, that's where the best defenders of that draft are. So, you, your point... 21st, and for a while, we thought he'd be pretty dang good. Right, and, you know, Rasmus Sandin was uh, drafted 29th, and he's having the best AHL year for a defenseman of, like, all time or something right now. So, um, yeah, it's there's hope if you're picking a D anywhere. So I, I think it's unlike last year's where, where other years were. It was clear who was top and it was clear that there was a different. I think there's, and... yeah, I mean. There's it's, not a really a lot... high top end D this year. This is, I'm I would, think of a I would say that a lot of the D, there's a lot of D of what Florida needs. There, you know, there's not an Aaron, I don't think there's an Aaron Ackwood. I mean, I think Byram uh, is probably a number two D at best, you know, like he might be first parent, but he's probably second parent. And, you know, that's kind of like, you know, the last couple D most D only, you know, it's hard to project as a first pairing defenseman these days, uh, especially with what's required of it, it, that there's, you know, not that many of them. Like the last time that there was that kind, I mean, like, I guess Dolly was, was different. But that doesn't mean that they won't be NHL players at 2021 20, and ex- fill the need Florida has work really good with Ekblad or Yandel or, and, and some of the other D and as a unit be good enough to win a cup for Florida. I think it's very much possible that um, if they do pick a D at 12 overall this year or 13, 14, wherever they end up picking, um, that D, if they make the right choice, could be the D that actually has a huge impact in the one run we make with Barkov before he goes wherever, you know, it's, um, you know, like maybe, maybe they're not at the time of the draft thought to be as good as Mira Heiskanen, but they might end up being as good as Mira Heiskanen. And that would be a, a, a great type of defenseman for Florida to, to lock out and get. I mean, you've got, there's a lot of them that you could get, like, and you have to go attack the teams 
in a figurative sense, obviously. Yeah. And so find those defensemen that are on, like, as you said, Calgary's got extra ones. You can trade for one of them, I would assume, if you gave them an... Oliver Shillington, I mean... Oliver Shillington, yeah. Rasmus Anderson, I'd like more, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, like, but, like, and Carolina's got too many. You know, you could definitely trade. And you got to find out, like, what, like you got to go after teams and say, what kind of... What player do they need? You have to go and be smart about that. And I know they are capable of doing it because they pulled off the Hoffman trade. So it's not as if they're entirely dumb. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know that they can do this. It's just a matter of whether they can do this and whether they want to do this. You know, those kinds of stories. And well, we, will, we, will, we will find out. So in terms of coaches for this offseason. Well, let me, let me just, while we're here. One last thing. I'll just, and then we'll go to coaches and then we'll wrap it up. Here, here's some D that would be, you know, first, second round, round guys. I mean, obviously, Bo and Byram is, is probably going to be the first D off the board. Um, but I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the best. I think it's close enough that um, it, it's possible there's a better D after him in the draft for sure. Uh, Miko Kakinen, Philip Broberg, Tobias Bjornfort, Vili Hanola, Lassie Thompson. Uh, and I'll go some North American guys for you now. Uh, Matthew Roberts, Robertson. Yeah, Matthew Robertson. I don't know. I rely on you in terms yes. of drafting. Yeah, I, I, I messed up. It's Matthew you, Roberts. You are my draft um, here. I want more people to read when Tommy does his draft stuff because he really does care and he puts this year. This year and and Victor Shouldersome is 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 another uh, sweet. I'll I'll throw a shout out to. Um, but you know, those are, those are some, some good names. And if Florida got any one of those guys, he would easily be the best, the number one prospect in the, in the organization. Yeah. And you know, and that, I mean, I think Gildan is, is a solid prospect. Um, I'm just, I just worried that it's going to be more in the same vein of, you know, that's, that's a backfill for kind of guys. Well, no, I mean, I think. I think Stillman and Shemtish are more the defensemen of what Florida needs. Uh, I think Still, Gildan is more bad in his first game. Let's be honest. No, I mean, but they're they're types of the guys who are would get categorized as two way defensemen, guys who skate well, pass well, think well, and you know they're they're happy and comfortable um, being the facilitators of the offense. They don't need to don't need, be the drivers need, of the offense. The Panthers do not. The Panthers on the back end think they need a lot of piano players, to use a phrase from soccer that's going to be translated here. They need some. Usually it is in soccer, you have too many piano carriers, you need piano players. The Panthers have too many piano players on defense, or people who they think are piano players. They need a few piano carriers, and those are the kind of defensemen that they need. You know what they need? They need a bass player. They need a couple bass players. Somebody <laughs> they, to, they need the someone guy to keep Primus. the groove. They need someone the to... guy from Primus. <laughs> that's yeah, what they, they need they need a they, guy from primus they need the historically great bass player they need somebody who's going to be able to, who's going to be consistent dirt okay wait no maybe not, him. maybe not him somebody somebody consistent someone that ha, you know is going to keep a a strong backbone to the overall pe peace movement uh, uh of what's going on in the ice and 
Um, oh God. Okay. I, 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 one I think more thing I want to get to, which is they'll, they'll get there eventually, but yeah, if, they need. If it's not Quenville because they can't pay up enough money for Quenville, and I. Still... It could be Babcock, because. Well, you know what? You know what's ironic about that? If we're is gonna that... if we're gonna have if we're gonna have a coach who's gonna play grinders and 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 be old school and, and stubborn, it might as well be a good one instead of a bad one, right? Yeah, I mean, Babcock is like, you know what? For, I know that he's like kind of semi openly feuding now with Kyle Dubas because he doesn't like the way the roster's constructed. I mean, that that but might you take and, Babcock and over anything might... the Panthers have had since I mean, other than Gallant, wouldn't you? You'd be the best coach in Panthers history. I mean, I, I'd even possibly take him over Gallant because I think, you know, for it's still that same old school, you know, playoff hard hockey, you know, like that kind of stuff, which is fine. I have, I, I don't really have too much against it. But he still has the same, you know, blind spots of, you know, he would dress Logan Shaw and you know, he'd that kind of stuff. Troy Brower and like Josh Brown and things like that. By the way, Panthers fans, it's okay to like players that – don't hit all the time and don't want to get into fights hockey's not playing in 1996 anymore it's okay listen i mean it's a lot of ahl fan bases like those players too you know when you don't get good exciting hockey you have to watch something on the ice right so well what about i i was reading in 31 thoughts yesterday and we're going to wrap it up shortly i mean what if the panthers hired todd mcclellan nah no i'd be okay i mean i think I think then you. I mean, I'd rather Dan Bilesma if we're gonna go from that well. Um, yeah, I think. I, I think, think Dan Bilesma has more probably natural talent than than McClellan um, for the for the position. I, I think. Think of coaches that you could come in because at this point you can't hire another first time head coach. You have to hire no. a veteran coach. I mean, and I think. Yeah, Quinville is obviously one that I'm telling Dale Talon if you want to if you want to fucking use the office here if you want to get allowed back in the rink, like you have to get Joel Quinville here. We'll pay the money, we'll do whatever we can, but you gotta get him to sign up here. If not, like you're permanently golfing, we're gonna let you go. We're gonna turn it over because there's no value you bring to this franchise if you can't get Joel Quinville here. And I think that it's has to be the GM. Best. And and you know if it's not Quinville, um, I can't. I think, think of you. Any. Many other I coaches. think you need to then do two things. You have to do your homework and and, and find the best. I know you would be advocating option. for Richard Gronberg, but they'll never do that. Well, like you know, Cooper is going to be a free agent oh, as well. Man, well. There's no way. There's no hope in hell that that's going to end up happening. So I wouldn't even. But you know that. what? You gotta you gotta pursue that. Now, you gotta at least if the at least try to that. You gotta wiggle him. You gotta throw some money at him. Or you gotta make at the least... Lightning pay more money. Yeah, at least make Tampa have to do more work re-signing him. You know, because you're looking for – I mean, you need that coach that badly. Um, I think that there's a possibility that um, you could not get an NHL veteran coach but get a veteran AHL coach – or a veteran European coach, and, and still, you if you Dallas do your homework, well, yeah, I mean, hire Dallas Eakins. Dallas, yeah. e- you, you need somebody. Dallas I mean, I don't know if Dallas coach for Anaheim next year. By the way, you need someone who's demonstrated the ability to handle a a, a bench and, and and handle a difficult bench and and to outcoach some other guys. And I think Dallas Eakins has done some of that, but has he done it long enough that 
you know that he I would. I mean, what you'd say about have, Donald Seager? I think there's a developed I, players really well down there in San Diego. That's not right, the issue with the Ducks. One of the, one of the issues is Bob Bugner has, and I know that there's going to be someone who comes and tries to combat me with this, but I, I, I would put money on this that Bob Bugner has an issue with the locker room. The people do not think that, like, he doesn't have the authority I to get. I think there's got to be some players in there after what has happened, especially after the, the Boston game. I mean, they played well in the next two after that, but those were the other two teams in Minnesota and Detroit that didn't want to try. Like, I can almost imagine that after what happened this year and after all the excuses, the, an organization that loves excuses. I was listening to Mike Babcock talk yesterday before the Buffalo game, and, you know, the Leafs are playing really badly right now. But he said, like, if we're playing badly, that's on me, on the coach. There is no Panthers coach that has ever said that. Maybe Gallant said that once or twice, right? But Mike Babcock would instantly be better, even if he's got a lot of problems, because he would admit if the team is not playing well, that's my fault. I have to fix it. Yes. It, it is, why is it hard for somebody to admit, yeah, we screwed up. We, I got to go fix this and be better. I don't, know, I don't know why it's so hard to try different D pairs. I don't know why it's so hard to give Henry Bergstrom. minutes. You know, like, put your prospects in the, in the slots where they're supposed to be. I mean, like, he's not a grinder. Why are you putting him in grinder spots? You can't say it's to improve his defense. His defense is probably, outside Barkov's and uh, maybe two or three other Bad forwards, off. the best on the team. He's been much defense. better defensively. He's, than our defense. I would rather Barkov-Borgstrom pairing on defense than any other pairing on defense on the team, and that's so sad. Yeah. And, and it speaks to so much that's wrong. And, like, it, there's no way that the Florida Panthers can go into the season without someone that instills trust in the fan base and in the players and in the ownership and in the GMs that when the game's tied or there's a one goal lead in the third period, that the bench is going to be calm, that the right player is going to be on the ice I mean, at the right time there and they're going to feel confident to get the job done. How I mean, it's, it's a coaching issue when Sheehan is on the ice in the last two minutes like double shifting, double fucking shifting. Well, there's also, I'm going to give you some stats and we're going to end it on this. And it's, it's coaching problems. How many teams in the NHL actually have an under 500 record in terms of losses, not just hockey 500 under real 500 after when they lead after the first period, the Panthers have an under 500 record when they lead after the first period, they're 12, seven and eight. They are 21, six and three when they lead after two. That means in 30 games that they have led after two periods, they've lost nine of them. That is awful. They are a minus 24 in third period goals. They lose games in the third period. And there is no doubt about that. That's happened in Anaheim. That happened in, uh, in Dallas. How many games have they thrown away late for no reason because they can't sit on a lead, they can't protect the lead. They are like 27th in the league in Corsi 4 percentage when they're when they lead in the third period or like in third period total which is obscene you can't play like that they're a positive in shots in the first two periods but they're a minus in shots in the third period that's amazing you can't play like that and that's and and if you say that's not a coaching issue that's a coaching problem right that's a coaching issue and that needs to be changed and as i said I don't think Bob Boogner is fired because they're scared of firing another coach because they've had seven of them this decade, which is not how they should think, but it's how they do think. 
and they're afraid of making decisions. They cannot come back with the same coaching staff as constructed right now. Obviously, I think they know that, but then again, it's the Panthers. I might not necessarily be so sure. However, and that's the big thing. Like whatever the point is, there's a path forward. There's multiple paths forward. There's there's a multiple path forward for this team to win a, to win playoff series next year. And that and, needs to be the expectation. No matter what people say, that has to be the expectation in the building and from the fan base. You cannot go in next year saying just making it's okay, because that's lowering a bar. You need to win, and you need to get something done. You need to prove that this team can be competitive before, I mean, the expansion draft, let alone, you know, Barkoff being a free agent. That That is... Remember, a- remember when they said that, like, they there's no excuses for not starting off fast this year? And they stunk in October, November again. And then they made excuses for it and everything. Like, that, that just... There's always something. There's always a reason. And the answer is, like, no. There, every reason that you have is internal. Sometimes the ref makes bad calls. That happens. It's sports. There's nothing That happens a lot apparently to Florida Panthers. Apparently it happens all the time because well it's the, the only reason it's the only reason they play. lose. Well, it's like, oh, the goal hot, the goaltending is not goalies. good. Well, but hot it's goalies. like well the goaltending why isn't it good? Can we can we say like, you know, Bruno Luongo is a Hall of Fame goalie. There might be reasons why he's playing poorly cuz the team in front of him is not supporting him. You know what I mean? These are all things that have to be addressed, and it's the organization, and we've said this before, and we'll say it again until they actually do it, and they prove that they're going to do it instead of just, you know, saying that they're going to do it. They must go out every single time and say, we are going to win, and there are no excuses for it, and prove there's going to be no excuses for it. And I'm, I'm waiting to see that that happens. And the and fan base is the only way that they are going to get to do it. Now, here's one other thing I'll say. If we're going to go after Jameson for saying some of the things he says on Twitter, he works for the team. Of course, he's going to say that he gets a paycheck. That's not who you should go after. The poor guy would probably say it if he could. You know, and we know how the media with the Panthers, which is two people, it how it works. You can expect more from them in their coverage. That's absolutely fine. You know that this is the organization they deal with, and there is the balancing act between getting the access that you need and being objective. You have to, as a fan, then say to the Panthers, if you don't continue, if you continue to play as you are and you continue to do what you're doing, we're not going to show up. And the only way sometimes is embarrassing this organization. You remember what happened in that Dallas game, you know, when there was less than 10,000 people there, and I pointed out the attendance, and I said, this is embarrassing, and it's all on the team to acknowledge it because they've run such a bad ship that people don't want to go. And you can say, well, Tuesday night against the Stars, who cares? But it doesn't matter because the Panthers fans, like like Adam Wilde on one of the recent Steve Dangle podcasts said, like, you made a joke about Panthers fans. And I would be like, well, there aren't many because the people that are there are so jaded that they don't want to be, you know, associated with that anymore. They don't want to spend their money to go to these games. And who can blame them? The Panthers are bad. They're not going to reward your investment. And those, and in, in this marketplace, you need to be good, and you need to be good consistently for people to care. And the Panthers aren't good enough to care. They've lost, they've won a playoff series in 23 years. In every other market, that would be unacceptably bad, Right. So that's, that's the thing. You have to, as the fans, you need to say on, I mean, listen, I don't know whether saying it on social media is necessarily the best way, but you need to speak with your wallet and you need to say, unless you win, unless you prove that you are going to do the things that you say you're going to do, then we're not going to come back. And you have to, in many ways, embarrass them 
know what I mean? Empty seats, well, it always happens at Panthers games, but empty seats is pretty embarrassing, especially when you get to Panthers levels, right? Banners over the rink are embarrassing, right? And if it takes shaming them into making them make better decisions and admitting that they screwed up, then that's what you have to do. And that is what you should be expecting of sports teams. They're there to win. You know, if you run them well, they can make money, but they're there to win. And you know what? You're either selling wins or you're selling hope. The Panthers can't sell wins because they don't have any. And the hope is always constantly dashed because the organization makes decisions that cause them to, you know, that cause you to lose hope, right? These are things that the Florida Panthers absolutely 100% have to get right. Because if you lose Alexander Barkov to free agency, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Maybe some Panthers fans will blame him, but the larger chorus from people not just here, but everywhere else in the hockey world is, they didn't win when he was there. Why would he stay? And that's what we're going to say if it happens, right? That's what you should say. You know what? The Islanders lost John Tavares, and while the indications where he was going to stay, he left because of the least presentation. He won one playoff series. Can you blame him for wanting to go to a team where he's got a better chance to win? I really can't blame him, even if the way that situation went about was not good, right? It could be the same thing that happens with the Panthers. And I wouldn't blame Barkov for a second for walking because this team does, this team needs to serve him better for all that he's given them. This need, needs to serve these players who have been through they're, every single they're bit not, of awful play. They're you not. Know, we, we just we just we're just talking for two hours about how like all the stuff they can do and, and whatever. And we know that they're not gonna fire Bugner. There's definitely gonna be at least one of Rongo and Robert back next year, if not both of them. And yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Well, as I said, like next they'll, year I predict they're gonna give gonna make the playoffs. Or they're gonna give Bobrovsky a, a huge contract to a goalie who's been healthy scratched down, you know, the stretch and the a stretch. goalie that is terrible in the playoffs, garbage in the playoffs. But like, here's the thing, like you have to expect, like, I'm not predicting they're going to make the playoffs next year. And the narrative about the team that I'm going to carry into next season as somebody who, while I like the team, I cover them objectively as much as I possibly can on this podcast, rat trick and on social media. And people say it's negative, but I'm sorry. If you haven't won a playoff series in 23 years, I don't know how you can be anything other than that, right? You have to be realistic. And the expectation next year for the Panthers is you need to win a playoff series. But I cannot predict them reasonably to do so, right? Until they prove to me that they're doing things that will put them down that path. Because it looked like they were going to do it this year. And they didn't. They screwed it up. And now that is the story that must be told. You can expect them to win a playoff series next year, which is what the expectation should be internally and outside. But if I had to make predictions next season, I'm not predicting them to make the playoffs. I can't in any reasonable regard predict them to make the playoffs because this season they should have made it and they screwed it up. So that is how you have to, you have to hold those expectations. But whether you think they're actually going to do it or not is an open question. And that's where, and that's where I think this stands for the Panthers in 2019. They have a chance to do what they need to do to win, but they have to prove that they can do it. And they don't really deserve much of the benefit of the doubt at this point. And I know you don't give it to them. I was more willing to give it to them, but after this year, I'm not going to do it anymore. So that's up to the organization to get the trust back in the fans. And it is up to the fans to hold the organization accountable and say, this is unacceptable. You cannot continue to do this. Otherwise, we will embarrass you. You know what I mean? Like, we will either not show up or there will be banners over the rank. 
and the best player in franchise history is going to walk and you have only yourselves to blame for that. And that's the kind of, and that's what, and I understand Panthers fans. It's great that you have a team and I understand that there's always a fear of relocation. I get that. But if this team won, then there wouldn't be talk about relocation because people would show up and the organization would be in a better position, right? I listened to John Tanka on 31 Thoughts a couple of weeks ago. If you go back and listen to that John Tanka uh, podcast. I, 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 I mean, I don't I, – I think at some point, though, it's not like on the fan. Like, yes, it's on the fans to just like keep going on them to fire Bugner until Well, no, like, it's on the fired. organization to make the changes, obviously. But, like, you know, but, but I, I just would, think we're, well, we're at two hours – yeah, well, well, one final thing. I wanted to finish the thought on the Cheka podcast, and then we're going to really wrap this up because Maryland's about to play in the NCAA tournament. That's another team I have to yell at, and I'm not going to do that here. I have another podcast where I do that. Here's the story with the Cheka. He understands that being the GM of the Arizona Coyotes is fraught with difficulties, and there are things he can't control, but he doesn't make excuses about why everything is going wrong. He has never once said anything about excuses. Rick Tockett, who is not a great coach, doesn't make excuses. If the Panthers had the same number of injuries that the Coyotes had, and let's think that the Panthers have also been really healthy again for almost a second straight year, sans Trocek, you know, again, this is what we're talking about. Like, they don't make excuses, and they're in a playoff spot, and the Panthers are playing them the day we're recording this. How is Arizona able to do that, other than the West barrier eventually being lower, and why can't the Panthers do it? The Coyotes have a worse roster. The Coyotes are arguably in a worse situation. Why can't the Panthers do what the Coyotes have been doing? That's the bare minimum. It's the same thing with Carolina. And we spent last year making fun of Tom Dundon. But that team's going to go to the playoffs. Why can't the Panthers do it's, that? It's because they have a, a coach who, I mean, he might not be the best coach in the NHL, but he's put together a system that makes sense and that gives results and probably fits the team. Um, and then for whatever reason, they have the guys who are executing it and, and playing well. It, it, it doesn't take a genius to understand that, you know, when the D don't have any accountability in the D zone, they're not going to somehow stop turning the puck over magically halfway through a season. If there's, if Matheson doesn't, either have his game changed his partner changed or get sat for turning the puck over he's going to keep turning the puck over because the system's not changing around him his partner isn't changing so he has better or different types of support and if he's not getting sat why would he change the way he's thinking and acting on the ice so you know there's tons of reasons you can look and just point to coaching as to reasons why the team isn't cohesive reasons why the team can't put together 60 minutes or once one thing goes wrong why the team just falls apart because they're not a team they're individuals assembled together playing in the same uniforms but they're not all working towards the same goal they're not all suited for that goal and uh, there's not that much buy-in i think it's pretty obvious when watching um, the play in the D zone, where the buy-in is and where it isn't, and you know, right. it's oh, you're right, you're right. It it's a shame because it's it, it, it's a, it's a it, that we're here again. Like we yeah, I remember that would... the first podcast with you where we yelled and screamed about ownership in that awful season, and we thought maybe something was changing, 
and they played really well down the stretch. Turned out that was a fluke, like everything else with the Panthers. It's a fluke. Everything that was been good at the Panthers organization has happened by accident. Not because it has happened a lot sh- on, in a lot shorter time frame than all the bad stuff around it has happened. Yep, everything's been very, very brief. It's been like Haley's Comet. It's, it's it been like problem. Michael Matheson's career. Oh, There's like geez. two good weekends that have just been blown out of proportion, and then the World Championship, and it's like, oh, he's been bad for about three years now. When don't worry, he'll change. I hate. I mean, we're, it's not being negative. It's being everything else when we'll, we'll, we just we want to hold the organization accountable so they can win, which is what everybody wants in the end. Having a team is nice. Having a team that wins is nice. I just can't wait for the Seattle team to root for because I, I just can't wait to get off this. I can't wait for Barkov to be gone to get off this fucking team because they are cancer. They are cancer. Well, if you oh consider that I root for the Florida Panthers and there are teams that I would describe as even more cancerous in my life. Anyway. That's why I can't do other sports. Well, you should because there are other teams, but you just need to pick teams that win better. I mean, Crystal Palace is being sold, and they're aren't they in the? No, they're not in the FA Cup semifinals, but they are going to help Tottenham open their new stadium, which is going to be exciting. Anyway, uh, while we do that, I'm about to watch another one of these cancerous teams, as as Marilyn Williams described as a dysfunctional viper pit. That's another story entirely. Until then. We will speak to you after the season when the Panthers lose the draft lottery and we can preview playoff hockey, which will be a lot more fun to watch, right? Mm, yeah, I guess. Ah, come on. There's going to be some fun playoff it, hockey this year. This this year has taken all the fun out of hockey for me, um, and, I, and I don't say that lightly. It's just been I, – I don't know how you can't – if you're taking you know, a really objective look at it, how you can't just be like – well, I've apathetic burnt badly in my life. Yeah, like not just burnt, but just burnt out where it's just like you could you could care less. Like you could care less that the season's almost over. You could care less that you know, they it's likely that this is the height of Barkov's career in the Florida Panthers jersey because you know, it's just going to keep going downhill till he leaves the team or, you know, Huberto's going to ask for a trade this off season or, or next off season. Cause the team is just not going to get it together. There's no rhyme or reason to believe it. Well, sorry, and you don't see it, but when, when they lose again, I mean, again, like I said, the, the first, the first sign you need to see is Bugner gone. And then if that happens, then you're like, okay, then there's a reason to have hope. And if that, if Bugner's not, gone if you know Luongo and Reimer the goalies next year or Montembeau's in the AHL or you know getting called up and down and, and all that shit we hate to say we told you so I mean yeah I mean th- this is the same people who really really thought that like Borgstrom was going to play all year <laughs> idiots well, well it's the same people it's the same people up top who made the same decision <laughs> to hire the people who were not qualified to be in the positions that they should have been in and well so hopefully the next hopefully the next podcast or probably the next podcast I'm gonna be on is is uh is when Borgstrom is actually playing hockey and Bugner is not the head coach. Uh, and I don't some know about of... that. I don't maybe in the playoffs we'll talk about how good the lightning are. No I don't I, I have no plans to really watch playoff hockey. I have no I have no real plans to, to deal with hockey the rest See of the season. See what you've done Florida Panthers is, to my good friend Tommy Kulikowski. This should be a very happy time in his life. And just, he's he's been burnt to a crisp. 
there's just uh, yeah it's hard for me because I watch good hockey and I just think about like how nice it would be to see some of these Florida Panthers forwards get to play that that type of hockey it would be great but you can also of course watch March Madness watch all of your rest of your money go up and smoke no I can't I can't deal with the hoop ball well you like the Sixers I mean for Christ's sake I mean I like the Sixers because I'm from Philadelphia and it's trendy now because they're somewhat good yes they are but they did beat the Celtics. Uh, I mean, hey, uh, I, I, I have nothing. Well, you could watch the, you could watch the Philadelphia Union. Well, they're bad too. But an 18-year-old from Shawnee High School scored a goal against Atlanta United. It was great to watch that live. I really enjoyed that. Marco Fabian is fun too. I like him. Anyway, we will see you next time on the Y Hockey Podcast. We'll try to have some more guests and some more fun. And remember, you can hold the Panthers to a higher standard if you want to. <laughs> It's not just about having it. It's about having a winning team. Yeah, I, I highly suggest, um, especially if Montembeau is not playing in any home games, not going to any games the rest of this year. And if you are going, to make Bring sure the that... banner with you. Well, you know, if you want Montebo to be the starter next year, bring a sign. If you want Bobrovsky to be a starter next year, bring a sign. If you want a new coach next year, if you want Coach Q, bring a sign. If you know? they let you into the organization, if not, how about stand outside on the JetBlue tarmac and stand there with the sign? They can't kick you out of there. The JetBlue tarmac. I know, Jeez. I know. I know, I know, Tommy, I know. Anyway. The team is owned by a bunch of hucksters. Uh, well, isn't that professional sports? Anyway. I mean, that is, yeah, professional Until sports. Until next time, uh, my Y hockey friends.